Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Well, one man who knows a lot about it is a man who has been um, the national coach at four Olympic Games for the sport of cycling. He's sort of cycling royalty, Ron Cheatley. Ron joins us on the program. Afternoon to you, Ron. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Mark. It's been an extraordinary 48 hours. I've got to be honest, it's sort of taking me a little bit by surprise. I thought we'd do well. I'm not quite sure I thought we'd do that well. <laughs> yeah, not the only one, mate. Uh, honestly, they're going phenomenally well, and it's so good to see. And, you know, it quite often happens you get the rub off. You get the rub of the green, you know, when... When you're in a team environment like that and, and on the first day you get a couple of successes, it just rubs off through the team and that's what we're seeing. It's great. Yeah, hey, what's been the big surprise for you? Um, the times, um, unbelievable times, like the individual pursuits from uh, Aaron Gates and from Tom Sexton, really, and, and of course Byron Bosa with her world class. Like I think there's only two other women in the world have gone faster than that. Yeah, we so, should. Um, we, we should. Sorry, we should just put her. Con- so her time of uh, three minutes eighteen. Sarah Omer, when she won back in two thousand and four, was three twenty four, which stood for an awful long time. Now, admittedly, some of the yep. technology in bikes has changed a bit, but it does just put in context how good this young lady is. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know she's she's just starting. Like you know, she's got a few years ahead of her where that time will just continually decrease. And uh, she looks so good, doesn't she? Like the position on the bike is absolutely perfect with today's technology. And um, I, I just think that she's incredible. And the way she, she was like the, the big motor in the women's team's pursuit as well. And, you know, they started off with a three-man team or three-girl team. And, uh, and Botha was just superb in that as well. So, yeah, awesome. And Elise Andrews also winning gold. Oh, yeah, phenomenal. Like um, another one that's just starting out really like. Like a father, John, you know, um, a lot of people wouldn't know, a lot of your listeners wouldn't know, but a father, John Andrews, was eight times New Zealand sprint champion, and um, he was an Olympian as well. And um, when when Elise started, he started her off in, in sprinting as a young kid, and then um, he put, oh, no, no, I think she might be better on endurance. So they changed her style of riding, and she started doing pursuits, etc., and then they decided, no, no, let's go back to sprinting. So she's, um, that's how she's developed, and she's actually so strong. Like you can see, she's stronger than the other. She might not be as fast off the mark as some of them, and that's why she tries to get them to go long so that she can just wind them out. And it's just her strength that she's got. It's just mm-hmm. her. The women's pursuit, picking up a silver medal, are we finally sort of seeing the evolution in that women's pursuit program because it's a relatively new sport at the Olympic Games in terms of the women riding in the pursuit um, and we haven't quite cracked it, but is this, does this performance suggest that you know perhaps in Paris we can sort of get the job done, we can win medals? Yeah, I'm not too sure about that. Like, uh, like if we'd had Ali Wollaston there, who was supposed to be in the team, of course she crashed in the, in the Tour de France Femme and couldn't make it to the Games, uh, it would have been interesting to see whether they would have beaten Australia. Like, Australia beat the three-person team by four seconds. One extra rider in there, I would say, would have been easily made up at four seconds. So I think we could have um, either won it or or been very, very close to Australia. And Australia have always been quite 
dominant, or not dominant, but amongst the top few in world teams pursuit for women. So the signs are good, uh, Mark, and we've got some depth. Um, like there's some young girls, there's a couple of young girls that never made the team, um, and, and, and they'll probably be coming into, it, into the program now. So, yeah, I, th- I think the signs are good, put it that way. Mm. One thing that we have seen, we've seen more facilities now. We always had that wonderful outdoor track down there on Wanganui where you live, but we've got the velodrome now in Southland. We've got the velodrome in Cambridge. Um, how big has that been for the improvement in the track cycling program in this country? Oh, absolutely huge. So, you know, like I always said in my time, if we had an indoor velodrome, it <laughs> made, made a hell of a lot of difference and it went a lot easier. Like centralised uh, program in Cambridge, it has its problems, um, but it also has its advantages too. And, and to achieve world-class results, it's a necessity, especially for team events. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's a good balance with um, have regular feeder programs and, and a little flexibility to return to your home base at times, you know, and that that's healthy and, and mixed with road training and racing variation uh, to your program out in the in the region and coming back to that centralised program at an indoor velodrome, it, it's huge and, and that's that's been a big lift for us, that's for sure. And how much depth do we have in the coaching space when it comes to track cycling? I'm not 100% sure of that. We've changed a lot of coaches. Um, <laughs> we've had too many changes probably in the last few years, but we've got a couple of good coaches there now and in, in, in the, um, in the uh, men's uh, just trying to, uh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, in the girls' sprint coach, we've got a guy called Nick Flyger who who was with Australia for a long time. Yes, and he was Anamiers and and all those top women sprinters. So he's looking after the girls' sprinters now. So uh, Annalise will be getting some. Uh, sorry, Elise Andrews will be getting some good uh, good work with him. And the men's pursuit coach uh, at the moment is Craig Palmer, who's been with um, the New Zealand team for a long time. He worked with my son Dale, you might recall, yeah. uh, in the sports science bracket, and then he took over. Uh, but he's moving on to a different position, I think, and um, and somebody will take his role. And the woman's pursuit coach now is Paul Manning, and he was with GB, with Great Britain, for a long time. He was a good team's pursuit rider himself. He was with the Great Britain program, and now he's with our program. So, you know, I think he's going to be awesome going forward as well. So we've got a good coaching setup at the moment. Let's hope we can retain it for a while. Yeah, I just want to ask this just more for our listeners out there. Those that um, are track specialists, how much room is there for them to do some of the racing on the road? Is there a good crossover? Well, let's, let's look at Aaron Gage. Um, like, he's just come from the road program in Europe. He won the Tour of Greece. Um and he can just step straight onto the track and ride a pursuit time like he rode. What was it, four seven? And um, and then he's going to uh, he rode the team's pursuit. He rode the individual pursuit. He's going to probably ride the points race, and then he's in the road race. So you do get exceptions, and, and Aaron Gate is certainly one of them. But I've always been of the mind that. To be a good endurance track rider, you do have to have a good sort of road campaign as well, Mark. Well, it's basically your principles, isn't it? You've got to have a good solid endurance yeah. base and then everything else sort of falls into place. What are you excited about in the days coming for the track cycling team? Uh, the points race, um, the men's points race. Like, I, I reckon we could get one, we could get one too. 
you know, we've got Campbell Stewart, who, who's a phenomenal young rider, and when he gets on the track, he is just a competitor. He just loves to win. And, like, with him and with Aaron Gate together, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I reckon we could dominate that points race. So let's wait and see. Mm. That's the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, just, just break the points race down for people listening. They would have heard the term points race, but... It can be a bit chaotic to watch on television. It's, it's incredibly hard to commentate to keep up with it all. But just give people a basic rundown on how the points race does work. Yeah, so it's over 40 k's, um, and there's sprints every 10 laps. Um, so every 10 laps you um, have a sprint, and there's points for first, second, third, and fourth so, across the line. So there's 160 laps in total? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true, yeah. And and so um, and those points just just tally up. And if you get a lap up on the field, so you take you break away, take off, and get a, a lap up on everybody, that you get twenty points for that. And vice versa, if you lose a lap, you lose twenty points. Um, so that's that's basically how it works. So you've got to be consistent. Um, you've got to watch that no breakaway gets away and takes twenty points on you. You quite often see that a breakaway might go away earlier. One or two riders might get clear. And get that lap up, lap up, and then um, they've got to just hang in there for the rest of the race and try and not lose it, while others are attacking all the time and trying to get a lap up as well. Mm. So it becomes quite an interesting race. How tactical can countries bring in team tactics? Um, yes, yes, you can, but you've got to. It can't be seen to be like real collusion. Um, you can't be seen, like a New Zealander can't be seen to be leading out uh, for every sprint, sprint as fellow uh, team member without uh, becoming obvious that this is, uh, they've teamed up too much. I, you get away with a certain amount of it, but uh, you, can't, you can't, it's, it can't do it too much. It's, it's looked upon as an individual race, really. Mm. So are there sort of percentage-type percentage tactics that you play in the points race, or is it just ad hoc and it's just unpredictable, or is there a certain way you do need to approach it, an historic way to approach it? Yeah, so it depends on your on your strengths. Like, you know, there was, um, for years when I was coaching, there was a Spanish rider uh, who won the points race, I think two or three times at the World Championships, and he, he won it every time the same way. He would just sit and sit and sit and wait and wait and wait and let everybody tie themselves out with sprints, and he'd just take off and take a lap out of the field. And he, and he won, I think, three world titles by doing it that way. Um, so, but then again, the other riders who can't do it that way, and they just, just get it by just picking up sprints, you know. Mm. Every 10 laps, they go for a sprint and pick up a few more points. So it just depends on your strengths, mate. Mm. Ron Cheatley is my guest, an absolute icon of New Zealand cycling for Olympic Games as the cycling Olympic coach. Uh, we are just talking the success of our team at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Ron, just while I've got you on it, because I, I love the science of it, but what a lot of people don't realise is that velodromes are at a very hot, humid temperature. When you walk into a velodrome, you always go, man, it's hot in here. And if you're not familiar with the sport, you can't understand why. But that actually makes for a fast track. And maybe you could just provide us a little bit of a background on that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, they have they, they have the track temperature at a certain uh, temperature, and I think it's about I'm just trying to recall now. It's up around thirty, about thirty one degrees, thirty thirty one degrees, which can make it quite uncomfortable for the uh, spectators, I guess. Um, but at that temperature it seems to provide the optimum um, degrees for the metabolism in the body to be able to function 
at its maximum efficiency. So that's a, an a unscientific way of putting it, and that's why the velodromes are all the warmer they are. Within, you know, you can't go too hot, of course, but but uh, a cold velodrome won't produce fast tyres. Put it that way, mate. Mm. Yeah. Now the other thing that we're seeing is a real revolution, and it's almost counterintuitive when you look at it. But in road cycling, the good old days of the narrow tyres and huge air pressure in them have now been replaced by wider tyres and a much lower air pressure. Has that technology transferred onto the track, or is it still narrow, hard tyres in track cycling? Yeah, still pretty much, not too narrow, like um, at one stage we were riding like 18 and 19 mil, now we're riding like 21s to even 22s, but the pressure's still much the same, still up around that 200 to 205 psi in a, in a narrow tyre. So, um, and and is, yeah, that, is, that, is, is that more to do with the surface, like on the road it's a lot rougher and the science yeah. says that yeah. you've got to spread it out across a... A, 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 yeah, a wider surface area, but on the track, that's not the case. That, that's right, Mark. And, you know, like uh, high pressure like that on the road, you'd be bouncing all over the place with, the, with this road surface and, and give you a very uncomfortable ride. And that's why the road tyres now even going a little yeah. bit wider and you're quite, you're quite right with what you say, up around that 25 mil now. And that's, that's because of comfort now as well. Mm. And, you know, they, they've taken into account the fact that... Um, the rider needs to be looked after when you're racing for five or six hours and, you know, you don't want to be just getting shaken to hell because you've got fast, you know, narrow tyres. So that's why a little bit, a little bit wider and a little comfortable. When that science came out and we saw that shift, and it wasn't that long ago, I mean, as I say, it's so counterintuitive. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't even look right when you see these bikes. How did that, what was your sort of initial take on that? Well, as you probably know, I've been an importer for a number of years with bike equipment, so I'm able to keep up with the with the, the you know latest technology and latest development of things like that. And um, yeah, like the the like if you take the individual time trial, for instance, which is normally on a pretty smoothest on a smoother surface, um, they will go a little bit narrow in the tyres and they will go higher in the pressure. Um, obviously, the higher the pressure you go, the more risk you take of a puncher. Yeah. Whereas the road now have gone out a little bit wider, as I said, mainly because not so much of speed uh, and more of comfort. Yeah. Uh, comfort for, for for longer periods. And that's the reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Our best way of explaining it to people is that it's because of the vibrations that run through the bike. So if you imagine rubbing your two fingers together and you rub them, you can feel the heat building up. Well, the part of the science is that the vibrations go through the entire body and that creates basically a rubbing sensation. And of course, if you're having the muscles and the little fibres constantly sort of moving, that is energy that you are burning. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. Exactly right, Mark. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, look forward to the road races. Uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, fairly flat. Um, so how does that affect the way New Zealand rides this road race and what chance do you give us and um, yeah, how many sort of tactics can you realistically employ? I mean, oh, going back to Delhi, Delhi wasn't a lot different, was it? Delhi back in 2010, I think Gordon McCauley went up yep. the road early just to try and sort of um, yeah, tempt a few teams to perhaps chase. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not really up to date with the course itself, but it hasn't got any real major climbing, has it? No, no, no. And so, like, I think Patrick Bevan will be one of the riders, I guess, that we will protect for this particular race. 
Um, I, I think he raced San Sebastian overnight, um, and I, I, I don't, haven't got the results of that, but that's probably his last preparation race for this. Um, Jack Bauer obviously is a real good domestic rider and will be in there for that reason, I would think, to look after someone like Patrick. Um, but we don't have somebody who's a real like rapid sprinter like a Mark Cavendish, and I guess he'll be in it representing the Isle of Man. Um, so we will we will have riders that will take opportunities to try and break away for sure. But if it come down to a small group and and there was no real renowned sprinters left, then you would get someone like Patrick Bevan would have a good good chance, I would think. Aaron Gate. Unbelievable, isn't it? The fact that he can just ride the individual pursuit, team pursuit, points race, and then front up in the uh, in the road race, like. Mm. Yeah, what's he going to do? That's going to be interesting. Is can he be a protected rider? Can can these pro, pro tour riders accept the fact that um, we we're going to have to ride domestic for Aaron Gate? Mm. Um, you know, he, Aaron obviously should be a, on pro tour team himself. But it's amazing that no one's picked him up because he's just so versatile. He can do anything. You know. Well, I think that's and, I think that, that's yeah. part of, that's part of the vision though of Black Spoke, isn't it? Trying to sort of audition some of these New Zealanders on the international stage. Yeah, true. But you know, Aaron's keen on a little bit now. Mm. Uh, like he, he uh, that's going to be his biggest problem now is trying to get somebody to sign him because he's, he has got a few years mm. uh, under his belt. But um, you know, oh, I, I would I would wouldn't be surprised if uh, the, the contract waves in front of him after these games because. It quite often happens, you know, like when teams are getting... Like, this is the time of the year when they are signing up riders for next year. And, you know, there'll be particularly some teams that will look at those Commonwealth Games results for endurance. They'll look at the team... Uh, look, sorry, they'll look at the individual pursuit and they'll look at the points race. And they'll look at those guys and think, hmm, uh, maybe they're worth looking at for, for, for next year. OK, Ron, just before I do wrap up, um, you've mentioned that you import bikes. Um, you've been very good to me. What, what are the best bikes on the market, Ron? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, my son runs the whole business these days, so I, I'm not I'm not involved a lot. But I, but we do have some of the best agencies, and of course, we do Trek bikes and we do Victoria tires. So I always get a plug in. For so, that so, so that's <laughs> Trek bikes. That's Trek bikes and Victoria tires. Yeah. There you go. And and let's yeah, be honest, yeah. I, I was actually looking at the latest Trek bikes just via a Facebook ad, and I've got to say, um, yeah, very enticing indeed. Boy, it's amazing the technology that's gone on to them these days. I mean, what is it? Still 6.8 kilograms, and they're talking about maybe trying to reduce that because the engineering is so much better now. Yeah, yeah. It's a different way they do the carbon and that now. And uh, Yeah, it's it's crazy. You can't, it's like Formula One, mate. You can't mm. keep up with it. <laughs> but it is. But you still cannot buy your way to the front, can you? You still want to have a nice bike, but you cannot buy your way to the front, can you, Ron? Oh, absolutely, mate. You know, it's it's, it's not all about the bike, <laughs> as one one guy said once. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it, it's a man on top for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Ron Chilly, lovely having you on the program. Thank you. Thanks. Great to talk to you, Mark, and uh, all the best. Yeah, there you go. Let's, the great, let's, hope we can win a, let's hope we can win a couple more medals. Eh? Absolutely. The great Ron Cheatley there, an absolute icon in the sport of cycling. Dale Cheatley, Kath Cheatley, you talk about a dynasty in one sport. It is the Cheatley family, Ron, of course, heavily involved with those teams back in the 1980s. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.